Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within, to seek out new joys and new methods of awakening, to boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, fellow explorers. Great to have you again. I am your co-host, Jonathan Robinson, and I'm with my co-host, Brian Tom O'Connor. And we have a special guest explorer today, somebody who awakened in 1995. His name's Jim Drever. And I want to give you a little bit of information about Jim. Jim is from New Zealand. He was in the forces during the Vietnam War. And then after that, began a spiritual journey for many years before he met his European non-dual teacher, Jean Klein, in 1984. And Jim woke up to the fact that he was not his ego in 1995. And he now insists that most people can't awaken within a year with the right ideas and methods. He is the author of End Your Story, Begin Your Life. He has taught at Esalen Institute and elsewhere for many years. And he has a new book called Untriggerable that you can get for any donation at his website, jimdriever.com. And I want to welcome you to Awareness Explorers, Jim. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Brian. So, Brian, why don't you start with the first question and I'll chime in. Sure. Uh, you know, actually, Jim, I was hoping you might share with our listeners a little bit about Jean Klein, you know, who he was, what was his teaching and uh, what your interaction with him was like. Yeah, it was a, um, I met him in Marin County in 1984, giving a talk at a, um, a private home. About 80 people were there, 60 people crammed into the basement living room. And um, he was dressed in a silk shirt and a ascot and uh, had flowers arranged beside him and very impressive guru stuff. And about halfway through the events, I asked him a question, my first question ever. And he looked at me and he, I said, John, would you tell us something about your enlightenment? And John Klein looked at me and he said, Who's this me who is asking the question? And I kind of sat there. When I asked the question, everybody sat up because they were wondering about there's enlightenment, right? And when he gave his answer, everybody kind of sat back down in their chairs and I kind of moved uncomfortably. I didn't know what to answer that question. That was what I was able to say again and again and again. Find out who you really are. Find out what's beyond your ego. Find out who you, the source of your being, and you'll be free. That was what I heard him say whenever I listened to him. Mm -hmm. So he talked about um, looking for your true being, as you mentioned, and you've written that the me can't be found. There's no true I to be found. Why is that the case? I mean, uh, I mean, what is this I that can't be found? Or if it can't be found, maybe it's not anything. Yeah, it's a, um, the thing about, you know, about the ego, the I, the th thoughts and stories, is they come and they go, right? They come and go. 
Jean Klein was urges, urging us to get in touch with what is always here, what doesn't come and go. And that's the essence. The ego comes and goes. It's there sometimes, not there at other times. This is the theme of my new book, Untriggerable, because uh, triggers are where we still identify with our ego. We learn to welcome them because they're showing us where we're not yet free. We've got the perfect inbuilt mechanism to find out where we're not yet free. So that, that's the essence of seeing. It's all about the seeing. Seeing, my God, I'm not my ego. My, I have an ego, but I'm not my ego. Because my ego comes and goes. We're not, we're not anything that comes and goes. We're what is always here. Like right here, right now, in this very moment. When I think of the question, look for yourself or look for the I or see if that I cannot be found, I don't have the sense that the I is this sort of like little being inside me looking out. I feel like it's, it's me. It's this body. It's, the, um, it's what's not you. It's what's bounded by my skin. And when I look for that, I actually can find it. I just, you know, go like that and there it is. But that's not the I that you're talking about. Right. But, but I was wondering for people who might think that the I is the body, what, what would you say? We, we have a body. We, we have sensations, feelings. We have a mind. We have a unique personality. We're us. But see, Jean Klein was, used him as the model, the example, as someone who was awake and free. He said once, in my book with this quote, he was giving a talk back east once, and uh, a man put up his hand and said, Jean, every time I see you, you look so radiant and relaxed and at peace. Me, I'm always upset, miserable, uptight. What's the difference between us? And John looked at him and said, you still take yourself to be somebody. I don't take myself to be anybody. You still take yourself to be somebody. I don't take myself to be anybody. And that was his essence of his freedom. He didn't take himself to be a person. He didn't take himself to be a psychological, emotional entity. He didn't have any self-image. He was just present. It's pure consciousness, pure awareness. Oh. So when you awakened in 1995, what was it, first of all, a rather sudden experience or was it very gradual? And what did you first notice different? Well, I've been on the search for enlightenment 20 years. That was really the only thing that interested me, becoming enlightened. Even though I lived a normal life as a chiropractor, and dated girls and got married and went skiing and went to theater in uh, San Francisco. I lived in Arnold, San Francisco. Partied. I did all the normal things. In the back of my mind was this core search for enlightenment awakening because I had this enlightenment experience in 1977, which I may, may describe to you briefly, where I woke up one morning in 1977 in the um, outskirts of Santa Rosa. And I noticed a shaft of sunlight coming through the chink of the Venetian blinds. And suddenly I heard a morning dove cry outside and everything in my mind just dropped away. And I hadn't done any drugs at this point. So I was very pure in a way. And I felt the, the oneness of life. It was magical. I felt really super present, one with life, one with everything. I remember getting out of bed and going to my 
study to write about on my typewriter. This is before the days of computers. And then as the day wore on, I reverted back to my normal egoic, uptight self. But something had shifted in me, as, a, as if I wholly punctured my consciousness. And I, um, I'd seen the reality behind reality, the big R reality behind the small R reality, the small R reality that we see and feel and taste and touch. It's ever-changing. Thoughts, feelings, images, circumstances. The big R reality is what is always here, that it's the changes in us. It was such a powerful experience that I knew I, I it never left me. I, I wanted to have that experience again and again and again. All the seeking began after that. So fast forward 18 years. This morning I woke up and um, I noticed I felt depressed. My son was 11 years old at the time. Mother and I, my second wife, had gotten divorced when he was six. And my practice as a chiropractor wasn't doing as well. And um, I thought to myself, you know, I'm, I'm depressed because of the financial circumstances, paying child support and so on. So I was about to get up there and go to meditate because that was my spiritual practice. Meditation wasn't my spiritual practice. But this particular morning, I remember something John Klein had said. You're not the person you think you are. Find if you really are, and you'll be free. And by, by this time, I've, I've known Jean Klein for 11 years. In the last couple of years, I'd only seen him once or twice at a dialogue he gave because I was busy with my own life as a chiropractor and my family and so on. So then I closed my eyes and asked myself the question, okay, Jim, you say you're depressed. Who is this me who's depressed? As I lay there in bed, I went deeply into my own consciousness looking for this me who's depressed. And I realized it was just a thought form. I'm depressed, I feel depressed, which resulted in depressed feelings. When I saw that, something shifted and I felt fine. Went about my day. And then the same thing happened the next morning and the next morning. Three mornings in a row it happened. The same thing. Wait, feeling depressed. I asked myself, who's this me who feels depressed? Look over inside myself, I couldn't find it. After the third morning, I'm free. I realized I was free. My ego, the story, it's my story about Jim Drever. It was the problem. The story wasn't real. It came and went. And so then I began teaching, uh, giving little satsangs in Sebastopol, where I lived, and uh, having a few private sessions. And that was the beginning of my career as a non-dual teacher. Uh -huh. You know, I understand that... Uh asking who is this person that's depressed can affect you, but was it a, a big shift in how you felt that went continuously or would sadness, depression move through your field of awareness from time to time? No, it was, it was a final scene, but here are the caveats. It was more of a, just to release. In my case, it wasn't bells and whistles and enlightenment. It was just like, my God, I've seen the truth. I'm not my story. I'm never, it was never my story. That, that was a big realization. I was never it. When you become enlightened, you're awake to your true nature. I realized, my God, how come it took me so long to see this? And then mm -hmm. about six months later, I cruised on the energy of what I call ease, harmony, and flow. That's what happens to our basic emotional energy when we become awake or free. We're in a state of ease, harmony, and flow. It's not really a state. It's the ground of being 
in which states can come and go. Mm -hmm. About six mm -hmm. months later, I woke feeling depressed again for the first time in six months. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, am I losing my enlightenment? And I wobbled in this place of uncertainty for about four hours. And I read something that John Klein had said about residues, where he said that even after an awakening, residues of old self arise from time to time. You just have to see them and realize you're not them. And that was it. The seeing cleared everything, and I went back to my normal state of ease, harmony, and flow. Mm -hmm. And then about six months later, something else happened again. And then it was a shorter duration. So residues have happened over the years, but shorter duration and less frequency. Mm -hmm. And does it take a lot of time for these residues to work their way out, or do you just not even think about that and not worry about it because you know that whenever they pop up, you just ask, what's the me that this is appearing in and boom, they're gone? Yeah. Actually, the residue has gone. I can't remember when the last time I had a residue was, but I'm sure I'll have one. Well, I know, I know that not that long ago you had a stroke. Did that affect how you were perceiving the world? No, I, I actually... I had the strokes over a period of five months in 2003, 2004. I'd already been awake for five years. And so that enabled me to flow easily with it. In fact, a couple of people who didn't know him very well said, you must have been terrified about the stroke. I said, no, I'm not, I wasn't terrified at all. I just was having it happen to the physical body. I just had to flow with it. I was actually in the hospital for like six days for an intensive care my brain was really swollen up and wasn't sure if it was going to make it or not, but I did. I remember going back to my girlfriend's house and uh, there was a land bed there, the whole right side of my body still paralyzed. It took about two years to recover. Like I had 36 sessions of speech therapy because my speech couldn't find the right words. But a single thought formed itself, thank God I'm free. Thank God I'm free. <laughs> Because I wasn't afraid See? of dying, because, because I knew myself as consciousness, that which fundamentally does not die. Mm -hmm. Consciousness is what I call God. I call consciousness. It's the ground of being. One thing I liked about your book, Untriggerable, is that you offer kind of a uh, very simple approach for people who aren't awake to move towards awakeness. And I'm wondering if you could talk about some of those ideas and methods. Yeah, the, the main thing is to watch your mind and welcome your triggers. So there is no me fundamentally. There's a me, of course, for practical purposes. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But you, you know, you're not identified with any image of that. Most people, until they wake up, are very identified with their image, the self-image. And they say good things about them, they feel good. And they say bad things about them, they feel bad. When you're free of all of that, you're just here. So there's no me. There's only now. So in my private sessions or um, when I do my Thursday night gigs, which are free actually, by the way, Zoom, I emphasize presence, being present, coming back to now. This is the way to practice. Coming back to this moment now. 
There's a lot of ways people do that. Do you have very precise ways to suggest that people come back to presence? Well, I, I do two things maybe that can help people. I suggest for people who can visualize clearly, they, they step back behind themselves, a few inches above and behind themselves. This is, this is more the real us, the real us, which is spacious, vast, yet very present. And it helps them see the, the stories and the thoughts in your mind, even the, uh, the I thought, the me thought, the thought you must identify with. See that that's not real either. Only now is real. But people who have a problem with that visualization, and some people do, they're more kinesthetic or auditory. I encourage them to feel the energy in their hands, the palm of their hands. And so we keep coming back to now. And then people they get really triggered when their brother comes around, or the sister, or some other family member. Then we see how that's dependent upon the ego, having an egoic reaction. When you see that you're not your ego, you become untriggerable, essentially. We're still human, so we can still have those moments that happen, like the residues that John Klein talked about. Yeah, I'm curious about whether freedom really whether it's possible to be triggerable and still be free. In other words, I find that the little me, this Brian character still gets triggered, but it doesn't cause suffering because I know that my true nature is the big I, which is basically happiness itself. So the triggering still arises, but it doesn't cause unhappiness anymore. Is that really not going all the way, though? Or is that like a, a, a partway step? Well, do you, still, do you feel yourself totally free? The Brian character, no. The real me, yes. All right. So just live in the real me, not the Brian character. <laughs> yeah. And whenever the Brian character gets triggered, and this is why I love your phrase, welcome the trigger, which most people don't do. And most people, their goal is never to be triggered again. And that right. doesn't seem to work. But for me, the triggers are like little reminders to live in the, the ground of being, the true nature, the big I, the I self, the, 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 that which doesn't change, that which it all appears in. And let, and just say, okay, there goes Brian again doing that thing. Yeah, good. Yeah, the, and, and that is here now. It's yeah. here now. It's always here now. It's never not here. I'm curious as to why you say welcome the trigger. You know, a lot of people, they just get lost in their story and their triggers. That doesn't seem to be helping them with awakening. So tell me about your idea of welcoming the trigger and how that can be helpful in the awakening process? Good, good question. So you're right. As long as you resist the trigger, then you're not going to be enlightened. You're not going to wake up, be free. So you must learn to at least not resist the trigger when it happens. You learn to welcome it. It happens even faster because you, you, you're now open to the, you're opening your heart to yourself, to your suffering, your pain. And, um, and eventually you say to yourself, bring it on. I want to see if I'm not yet free. And when you say that, 
bring it on, see where I'm not yet free. Then your, your freedom is a virtual certainty very soon, very quick. Yeah, and it also seems to me that if you say bring it on, then you're not employing the strategies that you usually use to not feel what you feel. And right. those strategies seem to be a huge, uh, seem to be the obstacle to seeing your true self. Right. So the, um, the whole thing is you've got to see the ego for what it is. You've got to see that you're not your ego. You have an ego, but you're not your ego. You know, there's a saying, the ego makes a terrible master, but a very good servant. And uh, it becomes our servant when we use it for goal setting, planning, thinking about the future. One of the other things I say, we've got to honor the past, keep an eye on the future, including setting goals and making plans, but live firmly grounded here in the present moment. When you awakened, did you find that you were still as capable in the world, or did it kind of interfere with you being able to be? truly effective in the world? The former. I still, mm -hmm. I, I practice as a chiropractor for another uh, eight years until I had strokes and I had to quit my practice. And by the way, uh, before I woke up, I always had a problem with being a chiropractor. It wasn't my, I didn't really love it, but I, it was a good work, easy way for me to help people make money so I like that aspect. It gave me tons of time to explore my spiritual journey. Once I woke up, all resistance to being a chiropractor dissolved. And it still wasn't my passion, but now I, I was just much more present with everything I did. That was the main fallout, I would say. You become much more present in your life. So being much more present in your life doesn't necessarily get in the way of being in the world effectively. No, and that's my whole trip. My whole teaching is you can be in the world in a whole lot better way than you can be when you identify with your ego. Because the ego identification is the real crux of the issue. When people identify with their egos, they, they feel good when things are going well and shitty when things are not going well, right? They feel alarmed and insecure, unhappy. But the old ego story is a myth. It's a fiction of our own creation. John Klein helped me see. Calls it a fictional character. We, we Essentially, we make it up. When you see that we're not the me, we are this beautiful awareness presence that's here right now. Then we're truly sinking into the ground of being. And by the way, when I woke up, when I had my awakening, one thing I realized, I forgot to mention, was that I felt myself pretty awake and free anyway, but wasn't quite awake and free. When I felt this urge to question, Jim, you said you're depressed. Who is this me who's depressed? I had an urgency about it, as if my life was on the line. And I had to know, who is this me who's depressed? I really had to know. So I just mentioned that because it's a, um, I think your listeners have to bring that kind of urgency to the question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, um, you mentioned earlier about in order to not identify with your story and thoughts that you visualize being like two inches behind you. Do you actually have people try to visualize the back of their head or is it more of an imagination of what it would be like 
to feel like you're this being behind you. I, I, I guess I want more clarity about that. Well, that. And eventually you come to the realization, my God, you are the universe. I am a universe. That, that's the realization that people wake up, come to. My God, I'm not my ego. I'm the universe expressing through this body-mind personality known as Jim Draper or Jonathan Robinson or Brian O'Connor. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're more of feeling into being more of spacious awareness rather than actually visualizing something right. that, uh, that you can't necessarily see with your eyes. Yeah, that makes sense. And what about the hands? What, what's what's um, the value of focusing on your hands? Your hands, like the empty space in your hands. Uh-huh. Your hands are on your knees. The value of that, it just helps become more present. Whatever helps you become more present is what is important. Mm-hmm. Is that because the sensations, because you can only feel your sensations right now, they're happening now, they're not, it's not a memory exactly. of the past or an imagination of the future? Right, it's my whole goal is to bring people into this moment now, like we're here right now. The past is not real. The past is only imagination or memory. The future is not real, it's only visualization or imagination. A lot of our listeners would have heard these ideas, and I certainly have as well. What do you think allowed it to kind of infuse your being and create a ongoing awakening? Whereas for most people, they just say, yeah, you know, that's a nice idea. And it doesn't affect them quite so much. I want to know the truth for 18 years, 20 years, actually. And then two years into my journey, I had a, this enlightenment experience I told you about when I said the customer dancing in the uh, sunlight, chink of the Venetian blinds. Really wanted to know the truth. And no matter how ugly it was or how beautiful it was, I wanted to know it. If the truth was ugly, let me find that, discover that. And of course, it's what the spiritual masses have been saying all along. The truth is something beautiful. It's just a preciousness, a tenderness, intimacy with this moment now sounds like your level of sincerity and urgency allowed it to go deep in you yes that's it jonathan mm -hmm. i was also wondering whether it has something to do with um not just being a mental concept but somehow allowing it into your heart or into your felt experience definitely that because essentially, when, we, when we're being, embodying, being awake and free, we have no thoughts about anything. We're just here now, present in this moment. And um, when I just check with myself, the flow of being is right here, right now. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're having a conversation, you and three of us. I'm just operating as pure beingness, the cycle or paradigm of living and be, do, have. Most people will do what they think they need to do in order to have the results that will make them happy, or be happy. But when you awaken free, you live from be, do, have. You live established in being in this moment now. 
right here and right now. And then you do what you do, maybe involve thought or action to have the results you have. But you've already, the results are good, whatever they are, because you're not depending upon results for your basic happiness in life, because you're, you're already establishing being, the causeless joy, being here now, right here now. This is it. And then the doing, I guess, or some people might call it right actions. Does that just then happen naturally without having to decide? Right. We, we do the next thing. Like right now we're doing this interview and questions arising out of, in your minds, out of stillness, out of silence. And um, my answers are reflections of your questions. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's anything we haven't covered that you would like to talk about, both to Jim and, and uh, Brian. Well, I have uh, lots more questions, more than we probably <laughs> have time for. Um, but I was curious about what, about the mind, because a lot of people say you have to quiet the mind. And I'm not so sure we have so much control over it. I mean, do we have to quiet it or can we just know that we're not it and it appears in something larger. We have to see it for what it is. It's all about the seeing. I remember Shankara saying something, enlightenment is a, a shift in perception and how much, how much silence you have, how much yoga you do, or how many prayers you chant or Whatever else you do, it's a shift in perception ultimately. Enlightenment is a shift in perception. You've got to see the mind in action. And you've got to see the mind, you've got to see that the seer, the one who thinks I, you focus on the I thought. But you're not that either. The storyteller is no more real than the stories it tells. That's a big realization to get. The storyteller, the I, the me. The ego is no more real than the stories it tells. When you see that, something falls away. I love that expression. The I, the me, is no more real than the story it tells. That's it in a nutshell in so many ways. Can that shift happen? Is it, can it sometimes be gradual and sometimes be sudden? The shift into awakening? Yeah. The shift of identity. Yeah, it's a, um, it, can, it can be both. It can happen gradually, it can happen suddenly. It happened to me after 20 years of searching. I was 49 years old when it happened. I'm 75 now. And basically since that day it happened, 1995, I've been free ever since, which is I'm just here now. What's changed here now is that my embodiment, I guess, my awakeness presence in me, is more full, more complete. Beautiful. Yeah. When you say it's more full and more complete, what? how would you describe that? What? What's different than when you first woke up? On the one hand, nothing is different. It's just now. On the other hand, as I said, it's a deeper embodiment. I embody my awakening, I guess, more freely, fully, 
now. But nothing has really changed because they're just this moment here now. Now, let me say something about sexual relationships. I was a pretty highly sex guy and I've been with a lot of women in my life and um, I've been married, divorced twice. And I was driven by my sexual urge for most of my life. But then somewhere about age 70-ish, late 60s, I began to shift and I realized it wasn't as important to me anymore. So giving up that obsession certainly allowed me to touch a deeper level of presence. Is that possible for someone much younger or do, do we need the wisdom of age to, uh, to get there? Good question. Um, just looking back at my own experience, I made some choices that maybe wasn't, weren't as wise choices along the way, even after I was awake. I was still driven by my little head occasionally. So on the one hand, there's that. But on the other hand, I'm here now and uh, my sexual drive is just part of my, there's no urgency about it anymore. Mm -hmm. That urgency is left. And it's That's a, a grace. Beautiful <laughs> release. Uh, it's a beautiful grace. It's not that I'm still not a sexual being, but I uh, thank God I've um, seen the light through simply being alive this long. Yeah. Brian, how about a last question? Then we'll, I know Jim has a guided meditation for our listeners. Well, I'll just direct it back to Jim and ask if there's something that we forgot to ask you or something that you, you know, want to sum up or, or something that we missed or something you want to let our listeners know. Enlightenment is seeing that you, the whole world between your ears, the world of me, myself, my story, is fundamentally an illusion because it comes and goes, shifts and changes. What we are is the changeless, non-dual experiencing of everything. We are the changeless. To know ourselves as the changeless is to know ourselves as that which is free. Beautiful summary. So we'd love to have you guide our listeners in a meditation and um, then we'll rejoin you and, and uh, appreciate the, the, the guidance and the tools and the journey that you've been on. Beautiful. So just to close your eyes and uh, or leave them open, it doesn't matter. Just pay attention to my voice though. Notice how my voice comes out of silence and dissolves back into silence. Comes out of silence and dissolves back into silence. But you, the noticing, are always present, always here. And pay attention to the thoughts of the sensations. I mean, the sensations in your body, the maybe emotions or sensations in your body, your hands, your belly, your back, 
legs. Just notice how they come and go too. The sensations come and go. But you as the awareness of the sensations are always here. You as pure awareness, pure presence are always here. So just sink into the pure presence you are, the pure awareness you are. Now pay attention lastly to your thoughts, the I thought, the me thought. Notice how the thoughts come and go in your mind. The thoughts come and go, even the I thought, the me thought, thought you person identified with, that you take to be you, this is me. That thought too comes and goes. So you're not your thoughts. You're what is always here. You're the pure awareness, the pure consciousness, the pure beingness. It's always here. So just be the awareness you are, noticing the thoughts, sensations, sounds, everything coming and going. That you as the awareness, the presence, the beingness are always here. The more you know yourself as the pure beingness that's always here, the free and the happier you are. So just open your eyes now and relax and into this moment now, realizing this moment now is all there is. There's only now. There is no me, really. The me cannot be found. As soon as you look for it, you cannot find it other than as a story a thought, concept. And that goes for the I thought, the me thought, the person you must identify with, you take to be you. That's a story too, that's a thought too. When you see that, to see that as freedom, it's as simple as that. To see, my God, I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my ego. I have an ego, I have thoughts. I'm not them because they come and go. And what I am what is always here. I'm the pure awareness, pure consciousness. That's always here. And that should bring a smile of relief. My God, so simple. This is what I am. This is what we all are. Every single one of us on the planet is this. When you, when you come back to the essence, our essential nature, presence, pure presence, we are that. Tao Te Ching, the Upanishads use that phrase a lot. Tatamasi, thou art that. You are that. This is what we're referring to. We are this awareness, this consciousness. I like how simple you make it and also the contrasting what comes and goes with what doesn't come and go. And I find that sometimes tuning into the contrast of two things helps make both of them more discernible and in this case, more aware of the thing that doesn't come and go, which is awareness. Beautiful, Jonathan. It's beautiful insight. Mm -hmm. I've used that with other things like, you know, the silence in me, there's sounds in the world, there's movement, 
in the world, there's stillness in me. And those types of contrasts really help me hone in on what's yeah. not moving, what's not making sounds, what's always here. Things right. like that. Any last words, Brian? I found that drilled right through me. I really loved that. And I, this, this whole conversation, I just felt like I was just experiencing it from that pure beingness. So I'm really grateful that you came on, Jim, and shared this with our listeners. Thank you. I would like to say something about my Thursday night gigs. Okay. Go to my website, jimdreeler.com, and look under events. And this is a way to connect with the uh, event. Zoom link, six o'clock Pacific time on every Thursday. And it's free. It's actually every time it's free. Donations are always welcome, of course. Sounds great. And that's Jim Drever, D R E A V E R, right? Jimdrever.com, yes. Great. We'll uh, put that link in our description. And it's great talking to you, Jim. It's always good to talk to awake people and find out their story and what they did and how they're doing. And it's always a great reminder for how available awakening is. Yes, everybody can have this. Every single person can have it. They just have to surrender their beliefs. That's and the beauty part. Everyone can right. have this. It's not, uh, it's not something only for the uh, few, the initiated, the uh, special, because it's what we all know. are. It's Exactly. It's who we all are. It's our true nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share my work and to have me as a guest. Thank you, brothers. Oh, you're so welcome. And you're thank you welcome. for coming on. And, and they can find out about uh, your new book, uh, Untriggerable, on uh, jimdriever.com as yeah, well. They, they can buy the book as a PDF just for donation of any amount. Wow, great. Well, I recommend it. I really enjoyed reading it so much. So, friends... Put this into your life. Enjoy the peace that comes from it and keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends. Because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.